anyone what coffee they wanted. But I didn't, and I was like, what is wrong with me? Why wouldn't I ask him? And I was like, well, this is a whole problem. And that coupled with my sister calling me one day and saying, hey, I'm in Melbourne. I saw this person sleeping rough and I don't want to give him money, but I wanted to buy him something. But I was late for work. And she said, I just wish there was something that I could give him that he, I knew he wanted and needed, but it was already made up. And again, I had this in my back of my mind of, I want to do something, I want to do something. And that's when I came up with the idea. I'm Teresa Hudson, coordinator at the Community Information Centre in Townsville. And in today's episode of Brave, I'm talking to Gully from The Good Box. The Good Box is a social enterprise that aims to ease the way for people experiencing homelessness. Gully talks about that as well as what led her to founding this organisation. So without any ado, here is our conversation. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wargarugaba and Bindal people. The Community Information Centre pays its respects to the elders past, present and future. Why is homelessness something to you that's very close to your heart? I think growing up in South Africa, I will say that it's something you saw everywhere um, and unfortunately yeah it was something that growing up was like almost the norm and that always bothered me because I think I was an incredibly sensitive little kid and I think that seeing that all the time probably was a part of growing up I you know held that with me and then I think when I moved because you feel so helpless you do feel helpless and I think that's probably what it was is that like and that's probably why it stayed with me is I've never experienced homelessness myself, but the prop, but but knowing that it's so close to you, I can't help but think that could happen to me. And I think that the problem is that not everyone thinks like that. Everyone kind of, um, not everyone, but a lot of people might think they're above it. But I think it's because I, growing up around me, it wasn't just your average poor person that was homeless. The older I got, and especially moving to Australia, like maybe um, in South Africa, homelessness was majority poor people. But when I moved to Australia, you then, you know, would find out a friend's uncle is experiencing homelessness and he was an accountant and he um, was married and had a bad divorce and a bad custody battle, which is things that unfortunately happened with everyone. And then he, you know, spiraled and unfortunately, you know, mental health thing came to play and he's now on the street. And But that guy was an accountant and that's, I think, what scared me. And I think that's why, you know, it's something that um, is such a big thing in my life just because one, I, I grew up knowing it. And two, I think because I then would hear stories where it was so close that I would feel like, oh, like my parents are teachers and, and it's not particularly the highest paying job in the world. But I think I was always lucky in that I always had, you know, a roof over my head and I always had whatever I needed. But I would always think to myself, you know, what if they lost their job? Like what if um, something happened that they couldn't work? Like what, what would happen in that case? And I, I couldn't help but spiraling that, oh my goodness, what would happen? And thank goodness it never happened to me, but I think it's always just been something that's been um, very much around me. And that's why um, I've always just thought to myself, like, uh, I think coupled with the whole bullying thing and then coupled with knowing that it can happen to anyone, I it was always something I knew I wanted to do something You had a about. passion in that A passion in that, in that yeah. yeah. And I do think that I 
really hated seeing like growing up there was always a lot of bullying like I was always as a kid did you ever experience it yourself yeah definitely I was like a chubby little kid and so you know unfortunately being a chubby little kid you you (laughs) that um that was definitely something that I felt um and I yeah I think I was also I wasn't particularly sporty I was always the last one picked for sports groups and couldn't really do the monkey bars you know all of that (laughs) stuff which isn't really prime for poor little gully but I think I always had great empathy as a child and I think I was able to do what um not I don't know if everyone's able to do this but I was always able to go oh that, that kid's doing that because I'm sure that he's got something going on or this or that and I think He's doing what that like, is in oh, bullying. He's bullying because you know. Oh, I think his parents are going through a divorce. I was also a little bit of a Yay. busybody. So you found an excuse um, for why for, that for person that was, was doing bullying. that, and I think it was empathy, but maybe also yeah. excuses. But I that kind of then started me thinking. You know, why do people behave in certain ways? Why do people do that? And then I think that I really was always hated the idea that bullying exists. And then I think when I grew up. Once I turned 18 and, you know, um, was a young adult, I didn't experience that type of treatment. But what I did realize was that it was always around me. And then I realized that as an adult, bullying doesn't actually stop. People treat others badly who might be less than themselves. Or And then that's when I started to notice homelessness and I started to notice people around me not being treated well. And I think it was um, just kind of not wanting that to be um, the world that we live in. And um, realizing that it's not just something that happens to kids. Unfortunately, it's something that we carry through us with adults. But then, you know, you're no longer making fun of your peer, but you are making fun of people less fortunate than yourselves without even noticing, I think, sometimes. And I Do you think yeah. as an adult, people will know that they're being a bully? No. Because we, we do, we generalize it as it's something that occurs in a childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're an adult, what what do we class it as an adult? Yeah, well, that's the thing, right, is we don't realise that we, like, I mean, I even have a, I have close friends and um, close family and they, um, you know, they'll kind of use the word, um, I guess, hobo, you know, to describe someone who's experiencing homelessness. And that to me, it's a form of bullying because you're, you're making fun of that person. The word that is not a nice word and that word is making that person seem like they're nothing, like they're, you know, just a person who, oh, they're, they're a hobo, which is, yeah, I hate the use of words like that and I think that's that's bullying in, in its, without people even realising and it's just being discriminatory as well. And I think by doing things like seeing someone who's on the street and kind of like raising your eyebrows or kind of feeling, oh, they smell, don't they? Things like that you don't realize, but that's if you take it and you put it in a childhood context, it's like one kid kind of saying, Oh, he's smelly, isn't he? And if we think about it, that's exactly the same. And I think as adults, we don't think it's the same thing, but it is. And I think the worst thing is that we don't realize it's even happening. And I think that also just, yeah, it just stems from sometimes people are scared of what's different and what's unusual. Um, and the first thing is to kind of make fun of it or to make light of it, which isn't helping anyone mm. that's so true i um i totally agree with everything you've just said in terms <laughs> of an adult like um, making those comments mm-hmm. and, and talking about people in that way it is it is yeah. still bullying it definitely is yeah when you finished school did you head to uni yes so i went to uni 
I went, I did journalism, which I loved. What took you there to journalism? So journalism for me, I think I've always been wanting to share. I've always thought that the best way to make a difference is by sharing stories and by sharing truths and things like that. So I think I went, I was quite ambitious and I was like, I'm going to go and be a big old journal and show, you know, and bring light stories and things like that. And I loved it, but then I ended up in B2B journalism. So I was just, I was writing about small businesses. And then from there, I went to write about charities. But then the problem about writing about things all the time is that you then kind of go, but I want to do it. So I went from this, I loved my degree. I mean, I loved uni and then I worked for, I headed straight into the workforce and I was a journalist there for three or four years. And I became an editor pretty quickly, which was really awesome. And when I was an editor of the magazines, I kind of just got over just writing about it all the time. And I was like, I'm writing about all these amazing people who are doing all this good stuff. And I kind of wanted to do that. I wanted to be the person doing it, not writing about it. And that's when I then started to think about, well, how, like, what is something I can do? And eventually that's when I um, went to freelance. And so I still worked as a journalist um, while I started The Good Box. But even though I miss it, it definitely, those skill sets help so much with um, what I do now. You mentioned The Good Box. Yes. Where did the concept of The Good Box come from? And I'm and I know we're going to go down the homeless yes. route again because mm-hmm. this is what the good box does yes. um, is to support people. But mm-hmm. at what point did you get to of feeling bad for these people in turning that to I want to make change? I want to make change. Yeah, I think it all stems from being a child who just wanted to help and wanted to make a difference and kind of wanted to live in a world where, you know, bullying wasn't something. And then becoming an adult and realizing, okay, now I had this really good job and I was, you know, working the city and then being like, oh, my life's good, but that person, I can't help but see that person. I'm Every day I'm getting my coffee, I'm walking into work and here is someone sleeping rough, right, but right there. And, you know, I myself felt uncomfortable, so I found myself ignoring them and I found myself kind of walking around and kind of like jumping the other side so that I didn't have to feel uncomfortable. And then that just got to me. I was like, why am I doing that? That is a human, that is a person. Like, why am I walking around them? And I think, again, it bothered me so much because I have always been hyper- And I guess being a journalist and being someone who asks a lot of questions and someone like me, I'm quite inquisitive, that I think that's why I was so hyper aware that this could happen to anyone. Mm. And then, um, yeah, I kind of just went, I want to talk to this person. And I did. And I went up to them and then I said, hello, I'm Gully. And they're like, oh, that's a funny name. And (laughs) which is always a good uh, icebreaker. And and then I was like, yeah, he's a bit unusual, isn't it? And then we had had a great chat. And that person, um, he used to draw some sort of animation on his every day, like the same sort of animation. And then I said to him one day, oh, can I buy you, can I buy you pens? And he was like, oh, someone actually already did that. I was like, oh, someone went and bought you. He was like, yeah, yeah. Someone came up to me and asked me what I would like. And they gave that to me. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. I love that. And then I said, well, can I buy you a coffee? And he was like, yeah, that would be lovely. So I went to, to buy him a coffee. And, he's, and then he said to me, oh, sorry if this is okay, but I I can't really have milk. And then I thought about it. And then that just made me think more like, 
you know, that's the other thing is like, I didn't even think to ask what type of coffee he wanted because to me, I'm like, the, your thought is, well, I'm buying you a coffee, so you should be grateful because, you know, you're experiencing homelessness. And that's how, but that's also a problem because I think it's like we treat these people like they're second Not really class. knowing that they had an option of what oh, coffee yes, they yes, would get. exactly. You would ask anyone what, what coffee they wanted. But I didn't ask him that. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Why wouldn't I ask him? And it's because... I'll be honest, the assumption is, well, I'm buying you a coffee, so you should be lucky. You should be, you know, I'm sure that's in my subconscious, that's kind of how I was going. And I was like, well, this is a whole problem. And that's, you know, that coupled with, you know, my sister calling me one day and saying, hey, I'm in Melbourne. I saw this person sleeping rough. And, you know, she was also, I guess, growing up in South Africa, it's just something you you really are always conscious about. And so she was like, I don't want to give him money. Um, but I wanted to buy him something and he said he wanted a chicken, but I was late for work. And she said, I just wish there was something that I could give him that he, I knew he wanted and needed, but it was already made up. And again, I had this in my back of my mind of, I want to do something, I want to do something. And that's when I came up with the idea of, oh, I should create a box that is, you know, beautiful. And the whole dignity thing, which stemmed from the coffee, like make sure that it's beautiful, make sure it's firsthand, but make sure I've actually asked people who experience homelessness, what do you want? What do you need? And so I used my journalism contacts and I got hold of um, City of Sydney and I asked them if they had a group of people who experienced homelessness who helped them make decisions and they did. Um, and they let me chat to them. And so from then that's when I told them my idea and they're like, oh, we love it. And I told them that, you know, we want to come up with something where it's like um, true stories on the box. And basically from then, this little idea that I had in my head just started to become more and more. I'll work on it a little bit, a little bit. And then I, um, within that time, I met my co-founder Maddie at work. And she also, there was another guy that used to um, just kind of bang on the ATM underneath our work building. And she said, I really wish I could do something to help him. And I said, well, you know, I've actually been thinking about this idea for a while. Like, do you want to know it? And she was like, yeah. And then I told her the idea and she loved it. And she was like, oh my God, let's, let's do it. And with her input and my input, like we kind of then turned it into what the good box is now. Um, and we would work on it once to twice every week for around a year before we went to go get some funding for it. Yeah. And so the good box is a box that is full of goods to help people in need yes on your website you've got mailboxes female boxes yes goodie boxes pets boxes um we come up with different like winter boxes there was a christmas box and the way it is now is the good box is a social enterprise and you can hop onto the website you buy a box for 21 dollars 99 which includes um delivery and you can get that sent to one of 30 different charity partners around nationally around australia and we've got um several here in townsville which is fantastic and the other thing that we also do now is we realize that the box wasn't just about those goods and it wasn't just about that. It was about the conversation. So firstly, you can write a note for that, um, which gets handwritten by our volunteers. And that ended up being the most powerful thing because what I realized above all of this was the connection, was that the people experiencing homelessness here in Australia, the biggest issue we have is not necessarily hunger, even though that's still an issue, but it's more connection, it's isolation. And so our homeless community are so isolated and that can you know stem with mental health issues and they make it really hard for people to want help or accept help so the more you feel appreciated the more you feel connected with the more likely you are to connect with service providers around you and we got a message a day ago from a service provider saying that the 
box is a really amazing connection and helps their social workers to connect with people who are experiencing homelessness and helps them to feel more connected. I mean, I think I shared a a similar story with you the other day because these things happen so often. Um, So yes, you can also write a note and um, then we realize there's a whole education side. So we also do programs. We go into corporates and we teach them about homelessness. We bring someone who has experienced homelessness themselves. We actually have a lady here from Townsville who shares her story and we go in and we give a whole program and she said, um, then she will share her story and we do some fun things as well and then we also um, uh, do the whole education element pack the boxes write notes um, and we do those nationally and then we also do those for school but with the schools we also talk about passion and how students can think of their own ideas and things like that so yeah that's that's where we are now and we're stationed mainly out of Brisbane and Townsville but we also as I said are national and now we have two staff members and 30 volunteers so it's pretty awesome. That is amazing. Yeah. How do the goods get into the box? Where do they come from? So they come from all different places. Half of them get donated um, with partnerships and the other half we buy ourselves and they basically will get sent to our warehouse in Brisbane and we pack the boxes there and then get them um, sent off to all the charities that they need to go to. So how long has the good box been going for now? So officially, since since the idea, it's been around four years, but it's officially been going for two years. And how many boxes in those two years have you? So 10,000. Nationally? Yeah, nationally. Yeah. Well, the last year was 10,000 nationally. The year before was our first year ever sending out boxes. We started off with 3,000 and we thought that was so much. In our first year, we're like, oh, 3,000 boxes, that's so much. And then this um, last year now, we did 10,000 and we went, oh, that's a lot. So, yeah, altogether it's around um, 13,000 boxes. And the year before that, when we were trialing it, when we first, first started trialing it, we did 300. And we, I remember when we, we couldn't understand, you know, we went to try get funding and we'll be like, oh, because we did it all by ourselves at first. And we said, oh, we've done 300 boxes. Like, isn't that impressive? And they're like, but isn't there, you know, 116,000 people experiencing homelessness <laughs> in Australia? And you did, I was like, yeah, but 300, like, come on. Um, and yeah, so anyway, we're very excited about where we are now. And a lot of that is. And where was your funding coming from? Or who did you approach for funding at the start? So at the start, because we were social, we always wanted to be a social enterprise and not a charity for the reason that a social enterprise is similar to a charity in that your end result is about doing good and your whole mission and the whole reason you exist is to do good. But instead of relying purely on donations and um, philanthropy, you can rely on a business model. So um, I we always thought that was better maddie and i after doing a lot of research because we read that what what happens to a lot of charities is that you're spending a lot of your time trying to get money and all of that and then that becomes your sole purpose rather than fixing whatever yeah. you're trying to fix that becomes your bau yes, exactly. is getting funding is getting funding and then you kind of have to remember well, what am i getting that funding for again <laughs> and and we spoke to so before making this decision we spoke to so many different charities and they kind of said to us honestly you know, a lot of charities are now doing a hybrid model for that reason, because it gets really tough to just, you almost aren't making the difference you want to make because of the red tape involved in all of that. So that's all we decided to do social and a social enterprise, which also has its own issues. But yeah, so we wanted to be a social enterprise. So we did this um, thing basically where it was in the community in Sydney, where you could 
um, pitch your idea for a social enterprise. And it was um, like a sh- based on Shark Tank. And um, it was really quite exciting. Uh, we came second. So we got $15,000. And that was, yeah, there was all we had at that stage was the three hunt because we had put in money ourselves. So we had paid for um, a um like the boxes that that, like uh just a few hundred ourselves and we had done a prototype and all of that and then we you we realized that in order to actually get money you had to spend your own money first um unfortunately and we were quite young we were in our early early 20s at that stage and we were like we're gonna conquer the world yes (laughs) and we're like but why would anyone help us (laughs) and it was we were like so shocked we're like but but we're young and it's for a good cause and (laughs) what and yeah and everyone's like well you got to show us something and yeah um when you're asking for money it's a whole different side of people that you see and so um yeah we had to put in a few thousand dollars but yeah we anyway we made it work we got the fifteen thousand dollars which was amazing and from that fifteen thousand dollars we were able to get ourselves kind of going and the idea was that once we're a social enterprise, we can keep ourselves going. Um, and so we were able to do that, but there was no way we could do salaries or anything like that. So we still had to um, keep ourselves going by working. And then that was getting really unsustainable. Um, and then eventually using my media contacts and all of that, we were able to get our stories out with several different outlets, but the biggest one ended up being the project. Um, and from that, that was amazing. Then we were really um, able to, then people found out about us, were able to go national um, and then were able to also, you know, go into it full time. So that really helped us make a huge difference, definitely. And especially here in Townsville as well. At one stage, we were just kind of focusing on Brisbane, but I was like, I'm here, there's so much to do. And that really helped me to be able to invest in Townsville as well. That's so good. Yeah. Where do you? Where else do you want to take the good books? I think that we want to be able to really... Um, spread it throughout far north Queensland more um, and we want to be able to be um, basically everywhere in Australia that has homelessness and once we're every and especially northern territory was a little is a little harder mainly due to distance um, and we want to be able to really get in there and, and really make sure that our box is always culturally appropriate as well um, and working with um, more First Nations organizations, which we already do, but we want to do a lot more of that. And yeah, and then I think once we've conquered Australia, I think the next step would go to New Zealand. So uh, businesses or corporate businesses mm-hmm. can sponsor yes. into a box yes, or boxes? Or boxes. So you can do both. So you can either, if you're a business that actually has items that you think, um, you know, that, that work in the box and what we've seen work in the box or they want to sponsor particular items, they can. The other thing that a lot, that's the very popular option is to sponsor actual boxes. So we um, get the um, logos printed and we put them on the box and we say sponsored by that business. And then we send out hundreds of these boxes and people know, oh, well, that business sponsored it. And the funny thing is, is people really do notice it. So you'll have someone experiencing homelessness who'll go, oh, like, look at these guys. Oh, I know them. Oh, that's that bank like that, you know, that sponsored this box. So it's pretty awesome. So we do that. And that's a big way that corporates can get involved and you know other ways that they can also get involved is obviously doing the programs that we do which is um a spin on a team building program 
Yeah. And then individuals can jump on your website and buy yes. a box. So yes, individuals can help easily. Instead of buying my husband a birthday present this year, I could buy him a good box that gets gifted onto somebody. Onto, exactly. And he'll get a certificate, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah, great I idea. I nominated my husband's birthday, <laughs> not mine. <laughs> no, but it's really people, Um, I mean, basically, if you go into our website and you type and you buy a box, you, you there's an option that says, is this a gift? And if you click it is, then you can put the details in and we send them a certificate and we say, oh, this box has been donated on your behalf in your name to someone experiencing homelessness. And yeah, we have one person who every gift, and they must go out a lot because every gift, they buy a good box for that person. And, um, you know, we all have people who we see their names pop up all the time because it's like, oh yeah, someone's birthday in the family. Oh yeah, some, you know, something's happening. So that's, I think people love that idea that they can do that as a gift. The Community Information Centre are becoming a distribution point for the good boxes. And I'm really excited to partner with you on this. You mentioned there's other um, pickup points here in towns with other organizations that you've partnered with yeah yeah so there's um other organizations that we've partnered with here feet is one of them and we um work with some other you know like safe houses and things like that which is um really wonderful and i'm so happy that we are going to be partnering together and um being a distribution point because yeah i guess you guys are sometimes the first point of call um and so having that box there really serves a purpose of one communication but two just making sure that person's okay um for the night and making sure that they feel good and they'll also receive a note in there which will you know help to remind them like you know you can do this you can um you can get out of here and that's awesome so that means you guys get to hand out those boxes um because there are a lot of of parents who experience homelessness unfortunately absolutely especially at the moment given um you know, on the back end of COVID, but the rental market just being so crazy. We do have a lot of people out there either couch surfing or living in their cars because they haven't been able to get a rental. A rental, which is crazy. We see, um, we, you know, got a message about these parents who were mom and her kids and she actually had a job. And so she has a job and she's actually has enough money to pay rent. There's no reason she shouldn't have a house. But she just wasn't able to get rent. It was just so hard that she was almost experiencing homelessness, but not because she couldn't afford to have a house. Not she has a job. She just literally couldn't she get couldn't a couldn't get a, a house. Place. Yeah. Um, and that's something people also forget. You can be experiencing homelessness and literally actually have money and actually be in a position that you you can um, afford to live. But unfortunately. Also, in other parts of Australia, such as Sydney, you do find people having jobs, but the rent is so high that you can't, they can't afford yeah, absolutely. rent. Yeah, absolutely. And, and seeing the rent market you know? jacked up because of they can doesn't make it okay. Doesn't make it okay. And there's not – like affordable housing is, is a big problem. And that's where I kind of go, you know, you're treating – like there's people experiencing homelessness where you're kind of thinking, oh, it's – the smelly man with the long hair, but really it's a a beautiful mom and her three kids who works very hard, but she just can't afford those rent prices because Mm -hmm. she's a single mom looking after three kids and has, you know, a low paying job. And, you know, when people go, oh, they're lazy or they're this or they're that, you're basing it off maybe one or two stereotypes or one or two people that maybe 
show that stereotype, but that's certainly not the case for majority of people. Yeah. You're a very inspirational person. Oh, well, thank you. I, I it's mean, so great that you've turned... Amazing what you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, it's great what you've turned your concept into and you've made it come to fruition and it shows how much passion you have to push through and, and bring it out. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, I think you need passion and persistence. My mum always says I'm a very persistent person. I don't really take no as an answer. And that's, I think, yeah. the only reason that I was able to do this because you do get told no a lot. But yeah, I, I um, love what we do. And I'm. it's because of organizations like yourselves and partnering and being able to give us opportunities even like this to share our story is really, really um, amazing. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for coming awesome. along today. Thank you so much. And if anyone wants to kind of, if listening to this and wants to get involved, our website is um, thegoodbox.com.au or on social media at The Good Box Enterprise. BRAVE is jointly funded by the Commonwealth and Queensland governments under the Disaster Recovery Funding Arrangements. This podcast is produced by Damien Lawarden.